What's up, friends? Welcome to another episode of the Applied Training Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Keeney. And after a long six-month hiatus, I'm happy to be back with you all to share a new episode that I recorded with my good friend and old co-worker, Morgan Smith. And in this episode, Morgan and I really go deep in the realm of nutrition, with her being a registered dietitian, having a, an extensive background in dietetics, um, and also competing in NPC bikini shows, having earned her pro card after a few years of, of a competing, um, and also being a certified strength coach. She has so much experience, so much education and knowledge and investment just in this industry that it really shows just in the way that she carries herself and the way that she explains ideas and breaks down concepts and ideas. And I think we did that really well in this conversation, just in terms of bouncing ideas off of each other and really both just giving our own insight and intuition of what it means to own a relationship with your client, to be able to empower your client to the best of your ability from experiences that you've had. I think Morgan does such a great job of really leading by example with helping out her clients and just demonstrating that with her continued education, with her continued desire to invest into different categories like mental performance and also with kettlebells and also a lot of different other areas that she goes on to talk about in this conversation. So I'm really just excited for you all to sit back and relax, enjoy the conversation that I had with Morgan and try and take a few points away from what she has to say because a lot of the information that she gives is again based off of her experience, off of her knowledge and her expertise. So um, this isn't really just a conversation you should take with a grain of salt. I think it's a conversation you should really let sit and resonate with you and then see how you can apply a lot of this information to your own life because there is a lot of gold to be dug out of this conversation. So without further ado, I invite you all to just sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation I had with Morgan Smith. level um, you just get that better interpersonal connection that relationship Mm -hmm. and so that's why people really stay with their coaches right is because they find that personal connection and that value that Mm -hmm. you can give them you're more than just a coach telling them how to get from point a to point b like you get them you understand them you're helping them figure out themselves and grow along the way so yeah i think that that's become a huge proponent of just like i think the fitness industry in general in the last year or two years with mental health mental performance Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call that term um that it's it's always been a part of the game but that it's Mm -hmm. never given been given the time of day right or it's never given the light that it should have in terms of like you're saying having certifications having extra offers or things that you can offer your clients Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and like mental health and resiliency like i mean and that's that's even part of the package too because um you know the whole part of grit is like you know doing shit when you lose your motivation when things get hard keep going and how do you dig in with your mindset to be able to set yourself up for success to do things when you don't necessarily want to do them right that's how you get to the end game um, and then, yeah, obviously with the pandemic and then like, even with, um, sports now, you know, I mean, we saw Simone Biles step out of the Olympics because yeah, she wasn't mentally, was she wasn't mentally fit for that. And like, hell yeah, I applaud her for that because that is such a hard thing to do. And it's something that is so taboo and not talked about, but it yeah. is ever present in both elite athletics and just in general in life. But, um, at the end of the day, you have to live with you. You have to live with your decisions, yeah. right? So good on her for stepping up and, you know, talking about that, but, um, mental health, um, not only in part of athletics, 
um, but in life and career, and then, you know, I also work with a lot of tactical athletes, so mm-hmm. um, firefighting, military, how do you approach grit, resilience, mental health? That's very important, so. Yeah. Where did you land on that word, like grit, or pure grit performance? Um, so that really came from just, I got so fed up with um, the industry and like people wanting quick fixes. Mm. Um, you know, clients and athletes are always looking for a shortcut, always looking for a way to get to what they want faster, right? And we yeah. live in this world of um, now, right? Um, I can go binge a show on Netflix now. I get things delivered from Amazon now. It's all mm. instant gratification. And so this mental toughness, resilience, and this ability to have almost work ethic is kind of depleting. And we're seeing that with like mm. kids now. Um, people who are trying out for like the fire department now, they're, they're, they can't test this grit. These people don't have grit. They don't have this like, yeah, this luster to like do things when things get tough. Right. Um, and so, um, my kind of irritation with that. And then also people selling products that are like, Oh, here's this cleanse. Do this now. Lose 10 pounds tomorrow. Um, you know, the whole prospect of, you know, we've talked about like health and fitness, it is earned. It is something that you have to work for. You can't buy it. It, yeah. it can't be given to you. You have to work for it. And so that's kind of that whole premise of grit. Um, Angela Duckworth, she wrote this book called Grit. Mm-hmm. And her definition is passion, per- perseverance for long-term goals. And so that's the whole premise of my company and that why I want to teach with fitness, no matter what your goal is, um, and nutrition, be healthy. It is, it's the long game. I teach the long game. I teach you how to be 1% better every day. I teach you stackable habits that you can change and progress over time so that you can build your confidence that thing snowballs and that, you know, shit happens. There's bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. You got to overcome it. Right. So it's, it's that grit. It's, you know, staying gritty. Yeah. That's that's kind of the whole premise of, of where I got my name for my company. No, I think that's cool though, because it's, like you said, like the, the health and life, the idea of like having a healthy lifestyle is that it's a lifestyle and that it's, right. it's going to change your life ent- entirely and indefinitely if you're really willing to commit yourself to it. Absolutely. And that's kind of the hard part is that like, like you just said, like when we have these quick fixes, we think, oh, it's a quick fix. All right. Now I'm back to my regular habits. Right. And it's like, well, obviously that's not going to teach you anything. Just like, yeah, you can lose 15 pounds in a month, but is it going to be a healthy 15 pounds? Probably not. Is your metabolism right. going to adjust to it? Probably not. Right. And so, okay, like what's the cost benefit ratio that you're trying to, to mm-hmm. get here? And I think that's where that mental health game can also play a role in it too, of like establishing that cost benefit of like, hey, if we can delay gratification a little bit instead of wanting that instant gratification, mm-hmm. how much better do you think that reward is going to be at the end? Right. And so like I'm reading this book, uh, The Art of Impossible that Dan recommended mm-hmm. to me by Stephen Kotler. Um, and he even talks about that too with like, um, you mentioned like with the, the definition of grit, say that again. It was... Passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Yeah, exactly. And That's so it. kind of like what he's talking about with like the art of impossible, the whole idea with this book is that how did like extreme elite athletes get to ride hundred foot waves when right. before that they were only riding 10 foot waves. Mm-hmm like for hundreds of years and then boom all of a sudden someone decides to break this this norm and then go into this next level but basically what he's saying is that to get to the art of impossible to master the art of impossible is to have consistent curiosity passion and purpose Mm -hmm. right he talks about stacking those things on top of each other and having them in that order can actually help you achieve that easier right because if you're curious Mm -hmm. about something i'm curious about wanting to lose weight i'm curious about whatever educating myself on fitness 
And then if you have a passion about it, it's like, well, like my parents were bodybuilders or like, well, my parents always struggled with diabetes. I don't want to struggle with diabetes. Mm -hmm. Now you have that passion of like, I want to break that curse or I want to follow suit. Right. right. And then you have that purpose of like, okay, well, this is my purpose, X, Y, and Z. Like for us, like obviously that's coaching people that's wanting to give the best service possible. Mm -hmm. And that's going to come with wearing these multiple hats, educating yourself on the kettlebell course that you're taking on like the business courses that you're taking to help establish your company. Like mm -hmm. you're already a phenomenal coach. You already have this extensive background in diet and dietetics, which we'll get into also. But like now you're like, okay, well, what else can I reach to my clients with to help give them a better service to help them show that like, hey, I'm here for you for the long run. I'm not just here yeah. for you for a season. Yeah, yeah. I want to be able to support you whatever way you can. And I love that you do that stuff just like what you were saying before we started recording of like doing the game, like going to a Mariners game with your clients and it's like, hey, anyone that wants to go, like I'll get your ticket, just come with me, let's go hang out. Or doing like the turkey trots and like these different these different events outside of just like, hey, can I have more money from you? <laughs> right? Like obviously like, we're doing this because we yeah. want to make a lifestyle yeah. living off of it, but like showing that personality side of it is going to resonate so much better with them than like oh yeah morgan helps me lose 15 pounds like two years ago yeah it's like okay yeah, yeah. Well, what is that what value right. does that hold ultimately to... yeah if you want to establish yourself as like being a, not only like a world-class provider like yeah you got to know your stuff but also like i find it um things why people buy into things and why people want to be things and you know we very much learned this through the pandemic um, with isolation but people are social creatures people the things that if you look around with all the companies and things that are successful like it, let's say crossfit for example why is crossfit so big it provides community right oh, people want to be part of a community yeah. and so um especially like with this charity event this turkey trot that i did people were like i just wanted a reason to come hang out with people <laughs> and they're like, can we do this more often? Can you do this next year? Can we do other things? And so that's something that my company is really committed to is creating a community of culture and um, of community where we, you know, we get together once a quarter, we do a fun thing where, you know, maybe we go ice skating or, you know, we go on a group hike or we have a barbecue or whatever. But it's just, it's just a reason for people to hang out that have like-minded interests. Um, and to be able to do that and have a good time and have fun, um, you know, where, you know, I'm not coaching me like, Hey, are you having your beer today? It's like, cool, man, <laughs> go eat your fries, go have your beer. We'll talk on Monday. Right. So yeah, like, how do you incorporate, you know, having fun into your lifestyle? It's also, it's an educational moment. It's a learning opportunity of, you know, how do you incorporate real life into your goals? And so it's, it's a, it's a multifactorable thing. Right. So, yeah, that's huge. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I kind of want to ask you. Again, on like with just with your business too, like now that you've had it for over a year now, like what's something that you've realized is beneficial and helpful to helping you succeed with your business now that you probably didn't know when you first started? Like, is there anything that you realized that you have those aha moments of like, well, shit, why wasn't I doing that when it first started? Um, there's so many, so many of those <laughs> moments. Um, and really the, the biggest thing or advice that I have for anybody who wants to start a business or wants to be more successful, like, you know, is either working for a gym or for a different company within their own business within that brand is, um, taking action and making things simple, being really clear with what your goal is, um, and doing that. And once you really are clear with your goals and you know what you want to provide for people, it's easy to set forth and do that because you're clear. Yeah. You know, you know what you want to achieve, you know what you want to do. So for example, you know, if I want community to be an important part of my business, okay, how do I create community? Cool. I'm going to do once a quarter, I'm going to do a, a community event where we yeah. all get together and hang out. Yeah, um, but easy, it's easy to plan. Right. Um, 
you know, charity events, I like to give back to our community. Um, I think that if you are a business within something, you should also be giving back. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's awesome making a career for yourself and like, you know, um, world-class coaches, they, they charge high ticket items. Right. But it's also important to service those people who live within the community. And like, you know, myself as a, as uh, you know, was, I was growing up as a coach, like I didn't have money to pay for these services. Not oh, everybody does. Yeah. It's a luxury. Right. And we have to be respectful of that. And so, um, providing either free information or things where you do give back, I find to be extremely vital. So, you know, once a year, twice a year, I want to do a community event. I want to yeah. do a charity event for these people. Um, so that's something. Um, and then again, hiring coaches. If you, I can, I cannot uh, recommend enough hiring out coaches, um, whether that be for business, whether it be for training, whether it be for um, nutrition, anything, but always be searching elsewhere to learn from other people and always be learning to help incorporate that, to help, um, to help along the way. Cause you never, the, the, one of the worst things you can do and have a closed mind is being like, Oh, I already know that. Yeah, it's yeah. the worst. It's the worst. It's so easy to pick out too. To yeah, see. and you can learn something from every person that you encounter, everything that you meet. So, um, so yeah, always be learning. Always hire coaches. Yeah. Always, you know, have something that you're learning from. Be reading. Be hungry. Yeah, that's huge. It's huge. And, and it's huge because there's so many different avenues that, like you said, you can take down. And that even if it's not, it doesn't even have to be business coaching. It can still be like having a coach like do programming for you, right? Like absolutely, had, absolutely. I think you had Dana or Tasha program for you. For I've, too, I've right? had coaches, different coaches that yeah. I always have programming for Like for currently right now, I'm doing the um, PPSC kettlebell certification and they do yeah. like a six week onboarding program. So I've been doing their six weeks of only kettlebell training. Is that my favorite thing in the world is only training with the kettlebell? No, but it's cool. It's different. I get to see how they progress things. I get to see how they teach things. Um, mm -hmm. You also get coached, you get coaching feedback from it. So like it's cool um i've done different styles of training like yeah tasha and dan i've worked with them for many years tasha prepped me for worlds for my my bodybuilding competition which yeah. is super awesome hey, um great. i love i love their style of programming that's how i tend to program a little bit more of myself also so i i jive with that um i had brett Contreras program for me for for a long time yeah. um so you know i've gone through different different modalities and different coaches um doing different training you have to test out different training programs and see you know what you like what you don't like what works mm -hmm. with your body what doesn't um i've had different nutrition coaches like how yeah. how do these people do these different styles it's almost like market research you know it's like how do i grow as a professional how do i how do these people do their onboarding how do they provide their coaching and counseling services, um, what type of resources and homework and what's their style like. So, you know, the more that you can experience that, the more that you can take away and be like, oh, I like how this person did this, but I don't like how they did this, but I like how this person did that. So you can kind of mold that into being your own style. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're not, again, if you're not learning from other people, um, you know, yeah. and if you're not, if you're never the client, if you're never the person on the other side, how do you know how your clients feel? How do you know exactly. what their experience is like? Um, and if you are experiencing something as a client that you don't like, then you can make sure that you don't do that or you put something mm. in place to help clarify X, right? Yeah. So um, I find coaching, no matter what, even if it's like learning an instrument or learning how to break dance or whatever, <laughs> um, but always doing something on the other end and something that you're not good at also yeah. um is vital to growth as not only a coach but as an entrepreneur
Yeah. And it's, I like how, I like what you said too, of like creating your own mold that way too, from your yeah. experiences, right? Like that's the biggest thing or most significant thing that I found, even at Willows at Pro Club is that they're like, everyone had their own mold of mm-hmm. this, their style of coaching, mm-hmm. their personality, how they deliver their information. And like, obviously like you're like a lot of your training or a lot of the classes that you did were like centered around glutes or like centered, centered around these glute classes and stuff like that. Where is like, what? Have you? What did you gravitate towards when you were like, "Hey, I really want to like work on glutes. I really want to work on posterior chain." Like even when you did, I think is when I was getting onboarded there that you did that. Uh, it was like a glute class for like all of the other coaches that were there. Or trainers. Yeah, yeah. That was I don't mm-hmm. know how many years ago, but like yeah. you just the way that you delivered that information was so proficient. It was so casual. It was very collected, and it was just easily digestible. I think that's a very easy way to tell how good someone or like how educated someone is and experienced on a topic is how easily they can deliver the information to where you're like oh shit that makes total sense like yeah Keep and that simple. was yeah Keep like simple. that was the whole 45 minute class that you did was yeah. exactly that how did you what attracted you to, to glute development <laughs> so well originally i mean so i have um stability is my main linchpin right we've talked mm, about i have yeah, yeah. i have no labrums in my hips they're gone bye-bye see you later um <laughs> and i'm not a surgical candidate to get it fixed because of my arthritis my soft tissue kind of sucks <laughs> so um i went through like pri just to, to like rehab all that I've, you know i've gone sure. down the rabbit hole of that see yeah. all these other things um but glute training is a key part of stability and i'm also a bodybuilder right and from yeah. for how i fell into bodybuilding is also the first thing I was able to compete in after being diagnosed with my arthritis so that's Mm. a whole different story but um, as a as a bikini athlete, like you have to have glutes or else you know you can. You're gonna wash you, out. You are gonna wash out. You will not be successful, right? So <laughs> that's a key component of that. But um, also, I started coaching the triathlon team. I was doing strength and conditioning for them. I'm not yeah, like um, yeah. I'm, you know, the endurance thing. You know, I'm good. I'm good at, but it's not my wheelhouse. Like you know, mm. go talk to Kim Bob if you want to train for an Ironman, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I started doing strength and conditioning for them, and I was like holy crap, these people are in so much hip flexion all the time. They can't fire their glutes. And really, if you want to be athletic, you want to be bigger, faster, stronger, um, you have to have good glutes. Your glutes have to work. They're the the king of the kingdom, right? Um, They're they're your queen. They're actually going to kill the king, right? So um, (laughs) if you want to be anything, you want to be a good power lifter, you want to be an athlete, you want to go climb a mountain, like you have to have working glutes that are proficient in doing all the things and stuff right and so um i i noticed that even with training all of these endurance athletes that hey if i can get them to hip thrust and get their glutes to function properly they improve their running efficiency they're improving Mm. their bike times um like everything is easier it's moving a lot better everything else falls in place they're having less pain yeah less Um, knee pain less back pain everything like if you have any type of glute dysfunction it, it they turn off right and so other things will compensate yeah. for that because that's our mechanism if 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 something is not working your brain turns off your glutes and it says hey don't be bigger faster stronger because you're going to get hurt right mm. so if we can teach people how to use that then sky's the limit yeah sky's your limit you can, yeah, you can, you can rock on right yeah and especially you know um you know working with at pro club we work with a lot of people who work in high tech they have sedentary jobs and so, so in with that, they're stuck in the suited position all the time. So they have glute dysfunction anyways. Um, so <laughs> that's a big part of that too. So it kind of, you know, it started out as this aesthetic thing, but it's also a super functional thing. And it's also very prevalent and important to really any athletic endeavor you want to do. So yeah. as a functional human, you need to have good glutes. It's very important. <laughs> Amen. Important. Amen. <laughs> yes. I think that's huge. Yeah, that's... Uh... 
And it's ser- I'm sure it served you really well too. I think just not yeah. only obviously like you said in your own career with bodybuilding, but also just like helping out your clients. Absolutely. And also like I think even Jordan Childs was talking about this in that sleep seminar, that mm-hmm. sleep summit that we were talking about. Jordan Childs like did this whole presentation on like the different level of athletes too, like should like having them do movement prep, right? Like you mm-hmm. shouldn't be having division one athletes do like monster walks to warm up their glutes anymore, right? right? Like yeah. if they're if they're playing football in Alabama, <laughs> yeah. they probably know how their glutes work, uh, yes. right? Yeah. Like they're Hopefully, like we hope. there's, and yeah, and there's there's levels to this shit, right? Of just like how yeah. you should warm up correctly and efficiently, and like, absolutely. And that was one of the other things that stuck out really well to me, like with your with your class too, of like these different methods of how to teach like basic movement principles and then also advance them to people that are like yeah i already know how to do that like okay great sure. well then let's have you go one leg or something Absolutely. or then let's have you like angle your feet this way or like right. i don't know like just with the glue bridge in general it seems like such a basic exercise but like the different versions you were showing me like when i went to perform better and saw brett Contreras and he was showing different variations it's like holy shit this is like a whole world of glute bridges like it's not yeah. just like lay on your back and then bridge your hips right. up like there's well, so many different it's you know take take squat for example like yeah. it's completely dependent on hip anatomy femur length like mm-hmm. there's so many different variables that go into that same thing with glutes and i mean yeah. um Contreras even did that twin study where um he took a twin and he's like okay you're gonna be on squat protocol you're gonna be on hip thrust protocol um who grows better glutes they're different, right? It, mm, it's, you know, it's yeah. completely person dependent, even yeah. if their genetics are the same. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, and what, what works for some people work differently for different people, you know? And it's funny that I kind of like fell into that, um, repertoire of being like the glue gal, which is <laughs> hilarious. Um, I love it, but you know, even, um, Lisa, you know, she's like, Oh shit, I'm getting married this fall. I forgot. Um, cause you know, 2020 pandemic, we've rescheduled it four times, but Hey, I need glue training. So, um, I started programming for her again. Um, and yes. she's been on this, um, bulking phase for a while. Her glutes have grown like two inches just with working with me for the past eight weeks. Um, And of course, eating food, you have to eat in order to grow, right? That's another one of the big misconceptions people don't do. Um, But yeah, she's crushing it. So, you know, we're making dreams happen. Things are coming true. One person at a time. One One person person at a time. time. We're changing the world one set of glutes at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the good uh, word that you said too, or phrase that you said, uh, the thing that still can make for an easier transition of like, you gotta eat to grow. Absolutely. Being like a multifaceted or like, however you want to say a multifaceted coach that has two very specific like well-educated well-diverse backgrounds of nutrition and strength and conditioning like you you're an rd you've done your dietetics mm-hmm. degree like you've done all of all of the clinicals and everything after that like we just talked about this for the last hour probably before even recording <laughs> of like yes. how much bullshit you've had to go through but like it's also why like you said i i have better understanding and perspective now of like why dietitians get upset when trainers like yeah let me let me give you nutrition advice like i'll show you what protein to get i'll show you like what to eat it's like no dude it's not your realm like you don't avoid it like the plague but also like recognize like hey if someone's asking for an actual meal plan or something like seek out other people yes well and that's another point like um you know you as a as a world-class practitioner, right, you should have a referral network. And mm-hmm. so um, all of my people in my referral network, like I've gone to see myself and I like how they practice. Like for example, mm-hmm. my sports medicine doctor, I love him. I've used him myself. I sent all of my clients to him. Um, Kavika just went and got some PRP, um, separated his, his SC joint. So he went and did that and some rotating and stuff. So um, he's great. Um, but like if you're a trainer and you've never experienced um, working with a dietitian 
go work with one. Go seek yeah. one out. Find somebody that you like and you like how they coach. Um, better yet, go find a sports dietitian, somebody who <laughs> specializes in performance. Um, it's a different world than seeing somebody who, like a dietitian that specializes in, you know, fat loss or, you know, whatever else. Yeah. So there, there's different niches, just like there's, um, let's take Willows, for example, right? How many coaches were there and each coach did something completely different to come up to the same result, right? There's more than one way to skin the cat. So, you know, people in the dietetics profession, it's the same way. Like people have different Mm. ways of coaching and delivering information. Um, They have their own methods and their methods work for what they do. So find somebody that you jive with and go see what that process is like so that you can actually tell your clients, be like, hey, I've done this myself. It gives you extra buy-in. It gives you additional trust. And then also it gives you somebody knowledgeable that you can use for information, you know, pay them to create some resources for you that you can give out and be like hey clients this is from a reputable source i trust them i know them i love them here's their information um that way you can also it's kind of like we talked about collaboration and how important that is Mm. within the interdisciplinary team um but it gives you a resource to a ask questions to b get resources from and c um the more times people hear things the more apt they are to do them right so um, you know, whether or not they're in that stage of change where they're ready to take action on it. If you hear, Hey, eat your vegetables. Hey, eat your vegetables. Hey, eat your vegetables. And then they're like, one day they wake up and like, cool, I'm going to eat my vegetables. <laughs> you know, eat your fucking so, vegetables. right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just the more people they hear it from and the different voices they hear it from, yeah. uh, the more out there do stuff. It'll you know? start to stick better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, take example, you know, we end up training our clients as, as strength coaches for so long, right? Um, we end mm-hmm. up almost like as a married couple, right? So for example, like <laughs> yeah. a husband and wife, like they could be saying exactly what their trainer is saying to them and they'll only listen to their trainer, right? You don't listen 100%. to your significant other. No way. Absolutely. And they'll be like, I've been telling you this for how long? Right. So, um, but yeah, you, you hear it from somebody else and they're like, Oh, makes sense. Yeah. and then it just clicks. Yeah, absolutely. But, and a lot of times too, like as a coach that for me, I, I guess I can speak for myself for sure, but like, it can be so frustrating though when someone's like, Oh yeah, I just like for like sleep, for example, like someone mm-hmm. that sleeps five hours and like, yeah, I just saw this YouTube video of like someone saying the benefits of sleeping eight Baseball. hours. And they're like, dude, I've been, me, I ask you how much you sleep every time I see you. You don't think you I kill me, man. Yeah. But, like, what? We've done that. Like, yeah. Every day. Yeah. So you have to like remove your ego. Just like, okay, you know what? I'm not mad. I'm glad that you got to the end goal. Like I led you to the water source, but you're finally drinking the water. I'm glad that you're drinking the water. Yeah. To, you know, and that's, that's what's also important about having that referral network is like, Hey, if they, if, if, somebody else can deliver the same message, give them the same water pond to drink from, and yeah. they actually start drinking. Isn't that the goal? The goal is to help yeah. the client get better. And if, you know, somebody, it's not, somebody's not stealing your client. You've still no, built that relationship yeah. with them. You're still valuable. Um, but if somebody else can get them to take action, that's the yeah. whole point, right? You know? Yeah, isn't that funny? Like, we always want to claim ownership of like, right. everything yes. that our clients yes. have learned. Yes. No, I taught them that. It's like, well... You don't yeah. have to, though. They learned it, though. That's, right. that's the end thing, Absolutely, right? absolutely. And I think, you know, clients should, I always encourage my clients, like, hey, go take at so-and-so's class. Go try out their method of training. Like, yep. if that jives better with you, cool, man, cool. There's more fish in the sea. Like, and obviously, as part of a good coach, building that relationship, that's why people come see you. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. there's, as we talked about, there's a million ways to skin a cat. Yeah. People work with you because your personalities click mm. and you you connect with them in a way that you are able to get them to change their mindset and take action and do things. Yeah. Um, that's yours. You you created that bond, right? Yeah. You're and responsible it's, yeah, for that. It's your mold that you created. And too. if you can show them somebody else, like say 
a dietitian or a, a sports medicine doctor or a PT that can help them with something else, that just makes your service that much more valuable because, hey, I have a network of people that yeah. can also help you. I'm still your go-to person because I still made that connection for you. Yeah. So it's still very vital and very important. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. How is like? How would you say the difference in your approach to coaching someone like through nutrition and diet compared to like strength and conditioning? Because I know that you do di- both for some people, mm-hmm. but you also just mm-hmm. do one for them. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so, like, so let's start with like nutrition. Like, how do you how do you coach someone so with that? So for me, for both of my professions, I, they're blended. They're so ingrained. Mm. Um, you know, if somebody comes to me specifically for nutrition counseling. Um, I have them fill out, you know, a questionnaire. There's more specific in-depth questions that I'll ask them that rely on their food thoughts, behaviors, experiences, history, just as mm. you would ask for like, you know, onboarding a, somebody who's coming to see you for strength training. Yeah. So um, it might be a little bit more mindset specific or um, disease state specific or, you know, whatnot. But um, it, it also, it'll, I'll start counseling them on like, okay, what's your, where's your knowledge base? You have, I have to meet people where they're at. So depending on what their mm. goal is and whatnot, um, uh, you know, say for example, fat loss is such a common goal. So let's go with that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'll counsel them like, okay, this is X, Y, Z, what you need to be doing, but also on the strength side, let's maybe adjust your cardio down. Let's, um, make sure that we put more yeah. emphasis on heavy strength training, that we're getting in more sessions of that so that we're actually building that shape and that muscle that you want to be peeking through when you actually lose fat. To get because if you're not doing that, you're just going to be a smaller, softer version of yourself, <laughs> right? You have no muscle. Yeah, you gotta say no lines, yeah. right? So um, they're kind of blended, and so it's really nice that I have that to kind of balance in with that. But um, nutrition counseling is in itself a different practice. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Does that answer your question? No, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so like the the approach, would you say that like psychologically is it pretty uh, similar, just in terms of like approaching it with a behavior change mentality with diet with dietitians? Yes. Yeah. But then compared to like strength training, like. I would say that there is kind of a little bit of that behavior change aspect to it, but like how much of that psychological role does that play in just in terms of how you approach it? Nutrition is very psychological and it's very habit based and it's very, um, there's overcoming a lot of the misinformation that people learn in the world or, um, these experiences that people gain from childhood. Right. So Mm. I was actually, I was at Whistler, um, this past weekend with, um, some friends and we were packing up to leave and, um, our friends, they, um, they brought their little three-year-old girl and, um, the dad's firefighter, the mom is a very competitive runner. So like, these are very athletic people. They try to be very healthy. Um, but in, as women, like we've had conversations of like, oh, you know, history of mom's dieting or like they've made these comments growing up or like people being like, oh, you have to finish all the food on your plate. So you grow up with all these things Mm, in in your background. And so she's trying really hard to like present this, this model of, you know, she doesn't want to pose that on her kids, you know, whether that stuff was delivered to us, um, intentionally or harmfully or not, it, that doesn't matter. It's yeah. the, that filter that you grow up with. Right. And so I was just sitting here listening to her and the kid and Berlin is her name. Um, she was talking about mom, I don't cookie. So she's like, you know, me too, kid, but we don't have cookies, <laughs> but first maybe we'll go get a cookie later. But first, before we have our fun food, we need to make sure we fill our body up with protein and fiber <laughs> and nutrients. Food. So she kept going down this, this this rabbit hole of like, okay, and on our plate, what's our protein food? We have this cheese. Is there protein in cheese? And so she's like, also, mm. um, we have these, these berries. We have blueberries and strawberries. Um, why do we want to eat these? Oh, they have fiber. Cool. What does fiber do for us? Um, so oh, she's I, telling her daughter? She's telling her daughter. This, this is the conversation oh gosh, that I need to be so applied along. And she's like, yeah, it helps the poopy not get stuck, right? And I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, it does. 
adults need to hear that, right? Yeah. Um, like fiber is something that people don't include in their diet. So she's asking yeah. Berlin, hey, baby girl, on our plate, what has fiber in it? What helps us with Why that? are we doing this? Why are we doing this? So she's, and she used to be a teacher, and I can tell because she's, she's delivering information, and then she's asking her, hey, did you retain this information? Yeah. Um, and then uh, Berlin had asked, hey, mommy, round crackers. Are round crackers good? And so she doesn't put food labels on things, kind of like the cookie. She's like, this is this is food, but we prioritize this food other. And round yeah. cracker, she's talking about like a Ritz cracker, right? Buttery, sure. fatty, delicious goodness, right? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, in, in moderation, these are good for you. Um, and they might actually help you run faster. And so I was like, oh, cool. She's even delivering her like performance nutrition, and she yeah. doesn't even know it. And yeah. I was like, I texted her the next day. I was like, Mikkel, girl, I'm so impressed by this conversation yeah. that you had with your kid. Um, like really good job. Like, this is so Seriously. cool. Like, you didn't put labels on things. You didn't say things are good or bad. You didn't say no to stuff. You didn't say you have to finish your plate. She was also really emphasizing, like, um, hey, you listen to your body. If you're not yeah. hungry, you can come back and eat later. You don't have to finish the food mm. on your plate. Um, but, yeah, it was just really cool to be yeah. in this conversation um, in with that. But, yeah, I mean, um, overcoming psychological factors in, in food and nutrition counseling is – people don't even realize they have these problems, but – Food is literally one of the only things that we can control in this life. Um, I would run into this with like oncology patients all the time and um, be like, hey, yo, you're on this clear liquid diet, um, but you need to get food down the hatch or else, you know, it's lights out, right? And they'll be like, no, I'm not going to eat red food diet. And I'm like, but you need to eat, but no. So like it's, it's literally, they can't control everything else. And so we use this mm. as a coping mechanism and, and things like that. So teaching people how to other recognize that and to be able to um, be like, okay, well I'm using this as X, Y, Z crutch or um, uh, part of my process is a lot of reflection and people will initially- Like reflection on what they eat? Um, so for my check-ins every week, I make them fill out all these questions. So there's 10 questions that they answer, and then they answer if they've hit their targets, um, you know, whether it's oh, nice, be yeah. macros or what their plate looks like or their workouts, X, Y, Z. And so, um, you know, they answer all these questions, and they're like, oh, they find, they'll realize like two months later, they're like, oh, I had no idea I was doing this. This is so helpful because I can actually see a small changes that are happening. I'm, they're putting more investment on non-scale victories on like, oh, what am, what am I actually feeling? It makes them stop and think more about what is happening in their body, yeah. um, what are, how are they noticing changes in their performance, their sleep, their energy, things like that. Um, so it's, it's the reflect, it's the assess, it's the plan, yeah. it's the rinse repeat. So it's this constant cycle that I make them kind of go through to kind of understand more of their habits, um, more of their lifestyle changes, how is that affecting getting them to their goals. Um, I work on creating a lot of emotional intelligence with people. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have this goal, every, every single decision you make, no matter what it is, whether it's food, exercise, sleep, whatever, um, will either progress you towards that goal, either maintain you or to regress you. So you have the option to pick what one you'll do. And mm. most of the time you want to pick choices that are going to progress you. But yeah. you know, say you've had a really crappy week and you're going out to Mexican food with your friends and you feel like that margarita is going to save your soul. Cool. Make the so, margarita yeah. thing, but know that it be okay that it's going to probably either maintain or regress you from getting to your goal. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, same scenario. You go out with some friends for Mexican food. Maybe you choose to get the chicken fajitas. You're not going to have um, tortillas with it or the rice, but you're going to eat the beans and the chicken and the vegetables. Yeah. You're going to say no to chips and you're going to say no to margarita. Why? Because it's, this is a more consistent thing that you want to make. Yeah. 
um, progress. But it, what it does is it gives people the power in their choices. So mm -hmm. it gives them, makes them be in control of their decisions of how they're going to progress and the skills that they're going to take. Yeah. So if they choose to regress themselves, cool, own that decision, take responsibility for it, be happy with it, enjoy it, move on. The next decision is going to come in a couple hours. Yeah, and it's 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 cool because it sounds like you're making them become very intuitive with what they're doing, yeah. why they're doing it, right? Like, Absolutely. Because we can sit here and tell them like what yes. to do, why you're doing it, and we can give right. them all the science and everything behind it, but how much of that is going to resonate with them? Mm -hmm. Probably not a lot, but if they're filling out a questionnaire every time you meet with them, of like, hey, just tell me like what did you think about with this mm -hmm. meal, like how did you feel after this? Right, I think that's so big. Like that's such an important thing for people to take away. Is like yeah, absolutely re reacting to, or understanding how you're feeling to what your body's reacting to what you put into it. Mm -hmm. Right, I didn't say that very clearly, but basically, like the idea, right, yeah. is like yeah. understanding like why do I feel shitty? Why do I feel sluggish after I had Chick Fil A at 10 a.m. Right. Like, okay. Well, let's well, understand like what did you eat what? at yeah. 10 a.m. today? What did you eat at 10 a.m. yesterday? Oh, well, yesterday I had like eggs, some berries. I had a piece of like protein with it, whatever else, uh -huh. and I felt much yep. better, and I didn't have cravings, like, hmm, okay, hmm. well, then where yes. can we, like, compare these two things, and then see what's the difference, why yep. are we doing this, right, like, and it's not to be a bummer, it's not because, like, you want to have six-pack abs, it's because your body responds well to right. these, these yeah. different nutrients, mm -hmm. instead of stuff that's fried, or that's breaded, like, yeah, it's great to have every now and then, but, right. like, yeah. understand, like you said, there's sometimes food, and there's most of the time food, and then there's a, you know, there's the blood <laughs> of the two, right, so, but, yeah, it's yeah. this, it's this, um, you know, we're working with adults most of the time, right? Even, even the kids I treat as adults is like, you're responsible for your own decisions. Um, I'm going to be your guide. I'm going to give you your options, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you're responsible for making your choices. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm leading them to the water. I'm giving them water, their choices to drink it or not. Yeah, right. So definitely. like you're, you take ownership in your journey and in the process. And that's what I want people to learn to enjoy a little bit more of and just have a little bit you you have you have more appreciation for things that you work for and things that you get um, at the end of the day versus things that you're given and so my job is to teach them and educate them and learn how to make these decisions and own these skills so that when they're done working with me they can take that and work on themselves but yeah. they can also influence other people um, for example like people will see them getting success and they're like okay what are you doing and it's like it's really Honestly, it's super simple. And it's like, oh, are you perfect all the time? And that's one of the things that I like to point out to a lot of my clients, especially, um, you know, as they're making their progress is like, no, they're not. They're not perfect. Mm -hmm. Every meal is not perfect. Um, yeah. Life always happens. Um, but if you're consistent and you're doing consistent work consistently, you're going to make progress, yeah. right? Even if you have, you go out and have French food for dinner, right? It's one meal, it's a drop in the bucket if you're yeah. doing things good the rest of the time. So um, that's a big thing that I want to work on incorporating is like, you need to be doing things consistently most of the time yeah. in order to do good things, right? Yeah. You can still live life and have fun, but it needs to be a sometimes thing, not an everyday thing. How often do you tell people no, like don't eat this, don't do that. Or how often do you tell like, never? yeah, okay, exactly. So because that was one thing that I learned from one of the coaches that I work with at the military never. base. Yeah, he was like, he's been in collegiate athletics for the last 20 years or whatever. And he was working on this extra certification. And so part of it was demonstrating confidence and how to coach people through movement. Mm -hmm. pattern, right. So he was doing squat, bench, deadlift, push press with myself and the other coaches on base. And he would always tell me like, what are two or three words that I can tell you? that force you to keep your hips up whenever you're mm -hmm. doing this or yep. so that forces you to keep a neutral spine whenever you're squat whatever it is right and so because he's like oh well i'm seeing this and i don't want to see that so i'm not going to tell you don't do this 
but there's yes. there's like this roundabout way of doing it, right? Yep. Like there's mm-hmm. this level of coaching that like, can you explain to someone, yeah. don't fucking do this? Yes. Without saying, don't fucking do this. <laughs> yeah. like, yes. So what's like, what's your approach to that in terms of like, if you see you know, someone... Every person is different. So it's, you know, it's kind of like the, the this guy learning how to give a cue specific for that mm. specific athlete, right? Yeah. Um, and there was a really great, the presentation that I went to at Raise the Bar, what is his name? He was this like very Scottish Irish man, very intense, but his whole presentation was on cueing and it's how to get the athlete involved in cueing. So it's exactly like that. It's mm. like, okay, you're doing this. Would you rather like to hear this, this, or this? Mm. I want to hear that today. Mm. Okay. And as the athlete gets more advanced, okay. Um, this is what I want. What's something that would help you remember that? Cool. They come up with their mm. own cue. They just mm. didn't work for you. Right. So, yeah. um, you, be, you being able to have that conversation with your client and be like, okay, here's the scenario. Here's what's going on. Um, here's the idea that we want to do. What's something that can make you do that? So that's, that's another yeah. reason why I don't do meal plans. It's mm. like, what do I need to eat for breakfast? I don't know. What do you want to eat for breakfast? Some people hate breakfast food. And I was like, <laughs> do you want to eat teriyaki chicken and rice for breakfast? Cool. Go for it. Go for it. Like the world is your oyster. But that's why that's why I like to teach people what macronutrients are and mm. like how to do flexible dieting because um, and follow that as kind of more of a lifestyle because it gives you parameters, it gives you like boundaries, but it also allows you to make your decisions for you, right? Mm. As soon as you tell somebody no, that decreases your reliability as a coach because yeah. you're like that person feels invalidated. Yeah. You don't see me. This is something that's really important to me, and you just told me I can't do it. That's huge. There's the big F you. Yeah. Right? That's how you. That's how you lose people. Um, and with diet, like I'll take myself for example. Uh, I will not give co- give up coffee during bodybuilding. I won't do it. Absolutely not. It's a hard stop for me. Uh, not that I need it. I just really enjoy the ritual, right? So it's something that I'm not gonna give up. Um, or like you know, potatoes. I'm never gonna give up a potato. I love potatoes, right? So good. So good. So yeah, I learned how to work a potato in my life, right? Yeah. So you, if, if something is super important to somebody, you teach them how to work that in or you find a way how to substitute it and make it more adaptable for an everyday thing so that they can go do their sometimes thing yeah. when they want it, right? So for example, if somebody really wants pizza and they're like, ah, pizza's a hard stop. Like, I'm not doing life without pizza. Cool. How do we adapt your pizza to make it something that's something you can have? that has more protein, has more vegetables. Mm. How do we eat it with vegetables? How do we make it more portion friendly? There's a million ways to do that. Mm, But how do you do that so that you can incorporate that in most days versus like, I'm going to go Maltown on a Chicago deep dish, right? (laughs) You know, right? You don't do that every day, but you know, you can have other, you can have a different varietal, right? So there's a million different ways to do that. And again, that that comes with a lot of experience. Um, you know, same thing with like coaching, like how do you, how do you get this athlete to do different things, right? Mm -hmm. But that's something that you build your skill on as a coach over time. Definitely. That's like, yeah, that was such a good response. Thank you for that. But that was like, cause (laughs) I, that was a weird recent, like, uh, Aha moment. Aha moment. Yeah. yeah, where I was just like, oh shit. That's cool, man. I keep telling That's them, like, deep. don't bend your back when you're deadlifting, right? It's like, okay, yeah. well then. It's like, don't think of the pink elephant, don't spill your milk. Like, yeah, what don't do? eat the cookies. Yeah. Spill the milk. Like, That's what we're exactly, going to do. Right? Exactly. We, That's what we hear is don't say no. Right? Yeah, because I don't want to hear that. Like, I know how stubborn I, I am. And, like, that. whenever I hear my parents so or someone stubborn. tell me, like, like, don't do this. I'm going like, to do it just in spite of you. Yeah, it's yeah. like, don't don't leave this job. You can't leave this job. You're not going to be able to. Well, now I'm going to. Yeah. Right, ha. so. Hmm. Yeah, but that's yeah. a good way. Because, again, it also just kind of removes your ego, too, right? It's yeah. like, hey, I want to tell you no, but I'm not going to. How can I help you understand what right. I want you to understand? <laughs> right? 
Um, I'm gonna pivot here too because uh, you you talked about like helping people like fit in the foods that they want to have yeah. even in their diet too. So like say like once if someone comes to you and like hey I'm at 35% body fat I want to get to 20 or whatever even just to be healthy mm-hmm. right once they get to 20% and they're like hey I still want to do coaching with you whatever else like how do you help them maintain that body fat percentage do they ever have to like do you ever have to make someone do like a major calorie cut and then do they reintroduce calories what's your approach to that so again i see annoying response if it depends so it's person just person specific and it depends on what their goals are like ideally like i don't want somebody living in a calorie deficit forever like that's where a lot of people go wrong is people are constantly on a diet and so even when people come to work with me like i might have them reverse diet and work on maintenance for a long time before we Mm. even touch deficit Okay. Um, because I need to make sure people are actually eating enough and fueling their body enough yeah. before we can apply a stress such as living in a calorie deficit um, in order to get fat loss. And a lot of times people will start focusing on habit change or um, just incorporating a more healthful lifestyle, yeah. eating their protein, eating their fiber, um, fueling their performance. Um, and they're going to start seeing a lot of body composition changes and a lot of recomp just by focusing on more strength training, doing mm. the appropriate type and amount of cardio, things like yeah. that. Um, and then, you know, so it, it just, it really depends. So, um, a lot of times I'll make sure somebody is proficient in showing me that they understand the basics and then we can go into a cut. Um, once they reach their cut, you know, maybe it's a, it's a strict thing. It also depends on the advancedness of the athlete. So like Mm. if it's, um, you know, somebody, if you were coming to see me, I have the, I know that you would be able to go through, you have the history of being able to diet for a long period of time. You have the, the mental acuity to be like, Hey, I know when I'm overtraining or I'm reaching a breaking point, I need a diet break. Um, but other people, you know, a lot of other people, people have a really hard time being in that mental concept of. I'm in a diet. Yeah. It really fucks with their head. Yeah. And so I'll do these things. Yeah. So I do things that are kind of like almost like a diet sprint. Mm. We'll go into a deficit for a couple weeks. We'll pull the brakes. We'll go back into um, either a maintenance or a diet break for a week or two. Maybe even a month. Hardcore. Pull back. Go. Mm, Pull back. So um, a lot of people can conceptualize short term versus (gasps) yeah right type of a thing so again that's also person and mentality specific i find that approach works a lot with people who really obsess with food or have had um problems with like disordered eating or even eating disorders in the past because that's a really tricky thing to kind of handle too um that's also the approach that i really like to take with women because women one of the things i also specialize in is um i think it's really important to teach women how their bodies work and how their physiology works and their hormones and their cycles work in with nutrition and training and how to adapt that um whether they're on oral contraceptive um an iud naturally cycling or if they're peri postmenopause because that's a whole different ball game so teaching women how to work with their cycles instead of against it um your hormones do different things um during different phases and different nutrients need to be prioritized um uh, metabolic rate even changes like if you're about to start your period if you're in that late hormone phase um your your core temperature goes up you're going to be expending more calories Mm. you become more insulin resistant um so fueling and timing become different um and then especially as you get into menopause you know when those hormones go away how do we create that external stimulus to help us keep muscle Right, so there's different things that you can do with your diet and nutrition um, to help um, create lean body mass and to help decrease stress. In addition to you know how do we create that stimulus with training? Mm. So um, yeah. teaching women how to do that is I find vital and really important. Yeah. But that that kind of 
um, diet pump the brakes type of thing is uh, definitely a, an approach that I work with a lot of women who are either on IUDs or naturally cycling because they do have that perturbation in their hormones. Yeah. Um, and that works really well within that cycle. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, mentally it's a lot easier. Yeah, I was gonna say, like you said, like it's a lot easier to bite to digest that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Than, like, okay, we're gonna do this for twelve months. Like, cool. What, for twelve months. Or like, I have a lot of people, you know, travels opened up again, so people yeah. are going on vacation. So mm. they'll be, they'll work in their deficit for you know a month or so. Like, hey, I'm going on vacation. Cool. Stop tracking. Take a diet break. Go have yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. back to me. Like, come back to me after you get back. And come back to me in a week. We'll we'll reassess again. We do that reflection assessment plan so that the next time they encounter mm. that same situation, what things went well, what are things they can yeah. do different, so that they know how to approach vacation next time. Um, again, rinse, repeat, recycle. Come up yeah. with a new plan next time. Um, and then we get back into you know just hitting the ground running. We come back to real life and blend back into what your normal consistent is. Yeah. So, and that's a, that's a big thing that a lot of people have gained a lot of confidence in working with me too, is that, Hey, I'm not going on, on, on vacation. I'm not gaining 10, 15 pounds coming back. Like I just hop back into my regular life and it, it's just like flipping the switch. It's easy. Yeah. Like a lot of times people really struggle with that, that mindset too. So, yeah, that's interesting. I want to also ask you like, while we're on this topic too, of just like cycling in and out of like going into a deficit, mm-hmm. going out. Like, how much of an effect does carb cycling have on the metabolism in the long run, or in the long term? I think that was a big thing for me when so, I was bodybuilding. Carb cycling, for... it is a tool, right? Okay. So if you, and I don't really use carb cycling unless yeah. you're a bodybuilder who's stuck. So mm. um, a lot of times people who have, or somebody who's really dieted, um, has a lot of experience living in a calorie deficit. Sometimes if you live in that for years, you know, you get this metabolic adaptation to it and um, you have to go even deeper down into a calorie deficit to even elicit a change because even though you can keep your maintenance at super high calorie load, your body won't respond. So yeah. it, it's completely person dependent. But um, carb cycling is something that I don't really even like to use uh, yeah. unless, I, I mean, you're give somebody a getting on Give a definition to for the people that are listening to like carb, like what would you consider carb cycling? So carb cycling is something that I would consider where you're doing like a high low medium. So okay. like, for yeah. example, you're a person um, on a high day, you're going to be having 300 grams of carbs on a low day. And this is just blanket numbers throwing out. This is not something specific. General. Yeah, yeah this is general. general. Um, you know, 300 grams on a medium day, you're having 200 on a low day, you're having 100, right? Sure. So, and you're doing that for a couple days, couple days, couple days rinse, repeat, cycling. So we're transitioning the amount of um, energy you're getting in and recovery you're getting in through those carbohydrates. Um, And so sometimes that can stimulate fat loss, especially in somebody who is a little bit stuck. And again, that's something that's getting, that's an advanced, that would be the equivalent of using like um, a reverse banded deadlift for somebody (laughs) who is prepping for a powerlifting meet, right? That's not something that you're going to give to your average Joe off the street. It's like, I'm going to have you eat 300 grams of carbs today. Mm, um, they're okay. going to go crazy. That's a good analogy. A, they're going to be yeah. like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And B, they're going to be like, hell no, that sounds like torture. So again, that's an advanced technique that I can use with somebody. But it's, again, somebody who's super stuck or is mm. has a specific um, aesthetic purpose. Um, it, it could be used for performance. But again, that's going to be for more something that's like maybe somebody who's trying to make weight. Yeah. So. Did, like, would you ever do that when you were competing? I've played with it, but honestly, if you do it right, you don't have to. Really? So what was your main focus like then going into like competitions? Like, let's start even just from your first competition. How old were you? What, what made you want to do it? Um, so my first competition was a really interesting one. Um, 
I, I got into bodybuilding. So I have this friend, um, we were thick as thieves when we worked at Pro Club. And um, she she started doing, she wanted to do a bodybuilding show. And she's like, do it with me. And I was like, oh, I can't right now because I was working through this hip thing. Um, I had to take off rehab. I quit strength training for six months um, because I had to basically free teach my body how to do a lot of stuff yeah. with um, without my, my hips. And so... Um, once I fixed that, and like I also have rheumatoid arthritis, and so um, when Jeez, I first got diagnosed with that, I was a junior, no, sophomore in high, in college, and it was debilitating. So like I almost dropped out of school because I couldn't walk, like I oh couldn't get around, like it was it was horrible, and it took me about two years to figure out maintenance, medication, cocktail things of drugs to figure out how to get me back to being functional again. Yeah. and so um, you know people look at me now, and they're like, oh, but you're a trainer, blah, you do this and that, and I'm like. Dude, I have more problems than you, right? Like, use me as an example. Like, yeah. that's just an excuse. If you want to do something, go do it, right? Um, but, um, so, I wasn't able to compete in a lot of sports. I was a very competitive gymnast growing up. I played a lot mm. of different athletics. Um, I was always, like, a three-letter varsity sport in high school. Um, and so, when I got diagnosed with um, RA, like, it flipped my world upside down. And so, it took years Jeez, for me even just to be imagine. able to go to the gym and comfortably yeah and like do stuff so um when I started working at pro club she started doing bodybuilding and bodybuilding so will always have this special place in my heart because it was the first thing that allowed me to do something at a high competitive level again mm, post yeah. RA and it was awesome because you know um, if a flare came up I could work around what my issue was and so that was also a really validating thing and also a really big skill builder for me as a coach because it taught me how to work around pain it taught me how to work around things and how you can still do things even though something else hurts um, also like you know how to use different grips on things uh, it just taught me a lot of different stuff yeah. and so I kind of got into that process and um, I was poor I was a poor baby baby trainer when I first started doing bodybuilding. Um, this was probably in work. like, God, 2014, 2015? I don't know. It was a long time ago. But when you were first starting out training. Well, so. very first yeah. started out training. So I started training in 2012. Um, so yeah, this might have been 2015 era. Um, I think is when I did my first show. But it was, I was training for Emerald Cup and I coached myself. I was like... I'm a coach, I'm a dietitian, I can do this myself. <laughs> idiot, 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 idiot. Um, and now I've coached myself unwillingly as circumstances have happened um, for other shows, but it's not my first choice. And um, the, my first show, I did it, I was completely, I've, I ended up following somebody else's peaking plan um, who was also written by a very well-established elite professional IFB pro. Oh, so you got lucky. And, uh, well, yeah, you would think, but it was horrible. It was the most worst experience I've ever had, uh -huh. um, and it was a cookie-cutter peak plan. And um, after that, we had, I had this trip to Italy planned, but even on stage, I got on stage, um, I looked super flat. Um, I was completely like underfed. Um, I uh, was very dehydrated. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after this, I, and I did well, I placed well, I looked good. I got, I think, third place. So nice. decent, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. especially Definitely. at Emerald Cup for my first show. Yeah. Great. Um, Emerald Cup, too. Emerald Cup, yeah. So I, I did good. It's a big, show. It's a it's big, a big show. show. It's a big show. My very first contest. My whole goal, like, I'm very competitive. Like, I just, I want to get up on stage and do something that I am prideful of, that, like, Definitely. I feel good about myself. It's a super subjective sport, so you never know how the judges are going to go. But um, 
after that we went to Italy I got super sick um, I like it was a lot it was my first time traveling in another country and this um, is right after the show and this was like three days after the show we flew to New York visited my friend sister um, and then um, after that we flew to Italy and then we came back. Well, when we were in Italy, like, you know, we started eating pasta. We started oh, eating, and like, I hadn't yeah. been eating carbs because I was following oh, this other yeah. person's plan that mm -hmm. basically put up carbs out of your diet. Um, and so, you know, I started doing that and like in combination with my uh, autoimmune disease reacting to international travel and flying for that long time um, and eating all this food again, drinking again. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I, I was so sick. I and you're in your twenties too, like you're still young, right? I, like, I was a baby, a baby, yeah. mid twenties, like 25, 26, something like that. Yeah. And so, um, like I was concerned flying home. I was like, do I go to the hospital here? Do I not? Because I had retained like, I, my ankles were so swollen. I had like pitting edema. Like it wasn't weeping yet, but it was pitting. And so I was like, I could risk, um, you know, maybe, um, getting, uh, like a blood clot or yeah. like, um, you know, a lot of different things flying. And I was like, well, my mom told me not to go to an ER in another country. So I'm going to fly home, go to the doctor there. Anyways, I got in, I go to the ER and they're like, Oh, you need to go to the hospital because we think you have a PE. And um, I was like, well, that's bad. So go there, they work me up. Turns out like my clotting factors were positive. They did all the work up on me. They're like, we can't find a clot. So we actually don't know what's wrong with you. Looking back, hindsight, I'm pretty sure I had a very mild case of refeeding syndrome. But mm. they look at me and they're like, you're a healthy kid. You just got done doing this thing. People don't understand the diet. So yeah, about refeeding syndrome though? What do you, like, what is so that? refeeding syndrome is something that happens to very malnourished people mm. um, when they get fed too quickly. So, you know, you're used to going to like countries in Africa. You're seeing these very emaciated people. You yeah. start, you want to feed them because you want to give them nutrition to make them healthy again. Well, if you feed them too quickly, they can actually get really sick and die and Whoa. electrolytes get thrown off, um, yeah. all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's really Water dangerous, balance, yeah. really yeah. dangerous. Um, and so I'm pretty sure that's partially what I had. Um, so I was very lucky and I was like, okay, that was very wrong. Why did I do that? That was so dumb. I know better. I'm a coach. I'm smarter. I should never follow somebody else's plan. So anyways, um, I went back and I hired, um, uh, somebody who actually went through my program, um, she had struggled with um, disordered eating and eating disorders and stuff in her in her own past. Um, and you know, I know what she knows because she knows all the same stuff I know. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I know she knows her shit. So I'm gonna go hire her. Um, and she's now actually she runs the dietetics program at WSU. Wow. So yeah. she's awesome. She's great. Um, so her name's Lindsay Woodkey, and she's she's boss. So she prepped me for my next two shows. Um, I I um, uh, qualified for nationals. At my next show I did in October that year, so looked really great on stage. I did a, um, I did a natural show and uh, another NPC show, and then ended up competing in Miami at nationals. Wow. So that was super fun. And yeah, I was like, really cool. I was like, there has to be an easier way. So yes, there is an easier way. So that's the long story of how I kind of got involved in this, yeah. and then um, I got off of aesthetics for a while because I was like, I need to never. Um, but uh, took two years off, focused on like more like powerlifting, performance goals, nice. did a lot of Olympic lifting. Um, and, and so then, your inflammation was down at this point, right? Like yeah, yeah. I, I after squatting. after I'm looking up after Italy, like I was like, okay, let's do better. Let's yeah. refeed myself. Let's let's get back up to my maintenance calories, and then we'll go into a different cut and do that again. So, but what Lindsay did is how I coach, right? How I do things now, um, okay. and 
looking back at like you know I wanted to follow this specific thing that bodybuilders do mm, and like yeah. it was hot garbage and that's what coaches are giving people so, and that's like you're just screwing people up um underfeeding them not giving them enough carbohydrate overtraining like but that's what's tough right it's like it's the stigma that people see like yeah, influencers on Instagram and stuff that like when you see absolutely. these girls with perfect bodies or these dudes that are just yeah. super jacked with full muscle bellies and it's like Man, I could take all the gear I want, but I'm just well, not going to look the same way. And right? it's, it's, it's also it's really funny because um, that's the thing that they're giving people. And there's this whole other world that, that bodybuilders don't talk about or, like, coaches don't tell people when they're coming to, to get athletes. Mm -hmm. um, but if you if you take that program and you take it to the pros, the pros are not doing that program. The pros mm -hmm. are well-fed. How do you think you get full muscle bellies? Yeah. Carbohydrates. Yeah, that's um, not restricting How it. do you think those muscles still look full? They're fully hydrated, yeah. right? So yeah. they're not depleting all of their water. Um, you know, performance-enhancing drugs, if you're competing in um, NPC, is a, there are there is that prevalence. So, you know, diuretics mm -hmm. and stuff do play a role. But um, in the federation that I can be in, it's in the WNBF. It's all natural. We get polygraphed. We get drug tested, all that stuff. You have to yep. go pee in a cup after you win. Yep. So if you're dehydrated, yep. you're screwed because you have to sit back there with that person for hours. Until you can until pee. you pee in a cup. Everybody else <laughs> yep. is off eating their burgers, and you're like, mm, sad. Um, My mouth's really dry. I can't Yeah, pee. but, like, you know, as a, as a professional now, pro, uh, somebody who holds a pro card in the sport, yeah, that's hot garbage. That's not that's not how you do. The the best thing to do is, you know, be fully cut and reverse diet into your prep so that you mm, do look full. You take advantage yeah. of super compensation. Your your muscles are full. They're happy. You look happy. You're yeah. well hydrated, right? So It's so funny too. Like sorry to cut you off, but like That's fine. That was uh cuz that was the biggest thing that I noticed between my two shows. Like the first one I was super depleted, same yeah, thing, like yeah, I didn't yeah. fill up on carbs. And then by the second show, like I had already hit my ideal weight. Uh-huh. Of just like, okay, I know that like I'm going to really dry out when I get to this weight. I know I'm really going to dry out and I just need to fill up. So I had like a two-week buffer from yeah. like when my show was yeah. to when I was like, fuck yeah, I'm already at my peak. It's awesome. Now, like you said, <laughs> you can start to maintain and maintenance it and not right. have those two weeks where uh -huh. you're sleepless and you're just have a terrible relationship with food that like you're actually able to like, yes. oh, this feels good. Like I can still have yeah. workouts. Yeah. Have. It's going to build your confidence too, but also like there's this weird, there's this very fine line you have to ride. It's with, a science. With it, it, yeah. it is an actual science because you have to understand how carbohydrates work. Yeah. You have to understand like how intake, fluid water, balance how much, works, yeah. how electrolytes work, how does exactly. that interplay, and how does that play in with your physiology? Like, mm -hmm. um, I'll take myself and my girlfriend Victoria who competes. Our preps look completely different. Um, yeah. I My body loves carbohydrate. Her body does not. So how mm -hmm. we prep looks completely different. Our peak weeks look completely different. Um, just off of based how our physiology works. So um, really being able to understand the science in with that and then also working with a coach that understands that is yeah. super important. Um, and there's so many coaches that just want to take your money and be like, hmm, this is what you do. Cool. Also, if people come with me and they're like, hey, I had the dream of doing bodybuilding, I'm like, cool, A, tell me why. Because guaranteed, you're, a lot of people's reasoning is like, a lot of people get into bodybuilding because they experience like some sort of a trauma or like they go through a life hardship. And so they're trying to look good to place a deficit of something else that they need to process. And yeah. like, if you don't have a good relationship with yourself before that, right, having a six pack is just going to make you a crankier, worse human yep. because you're hungry, yep. you're cold. Um, and having a six pack really doesn't fix your problems. No, right? and it's not the epitome of health. I want, no, I want it is not. It is not. And how you look on stage, you work three months to look good for an hour. 
Yes. That's it. That's exactly that what I was hoping it. you'd say. That like, is for, it. For people listening, like, that's such a bad thing for people to think of, like, oh, that's the epitome of health. This person no, that's all tan and shaved. In order to like, do bodybuilding, you actually practice a lot of disordered habits. It's, yeah. You have to practice, and that's a conversation I have with people. You have to have a good relationship with food entering into a bodybuilding prep because you have, you will come out with some sort of body dysmorphia. You will. There's that mental state there. And you have to be able to remove yourself from that and understand that that is not a realistic expectation of how you're going to live your life. That's false. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you know, you have to practice disordered eating habits. Um, There are, I know of a couple athletes who don't like track or um, weigh their food and stuff, but that's more of an exception to the rule I find. Mm. Um, But yeah, you, you have to plan what you're going to eat. You have you every minute of your life is basically planned out yep. up until prep. It's a job. It's, it's a, a job. job. And then there there's the there's the thing that other people don't talk about also is post show blues. You have this huge event mm-hmm. that's encapsulated this entire, you know, um, at a minimum three months of your life, probably longer. Uh, but what happens when it's done? And then what happens on the reverse diet? Just because show's done doesn't mean you're done. You gotta you gotta reverse diet. Usually half the time that you prep is how long your reverse diet should be to get back up to maintenance mm. calories. You're not done. Mm-hmm. Your contest prep is not done. Yeah. Right. So, um, and then yeah, there's just so many things that people don't talk about that there's like the dark side of the sport, which if you're prepared for it, it's not dark, but you have to plan, you have to prepare. And you have to be, you have to know what's coming. Um, it's not for everybody. No. I mean, Dorian Yates talks about that a lot too. He yeah. did a podcast with Joe Rogan years ago, but he's talked about it on his social media now that he's involved on Instagram. I'm just like, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted. I became extremely depressed. And for those of you that don't know Dorian Yates, like this guy yeah. was the mass monster is what they call him. The yeah. shadow. Like this uh-huh. guy was so insanely and impressively large. Like he was like the epitome of the sport. He mm-hmm. knocked Ronnie Coleman off his pedestal Absolutely. and like completely like threw Arnold Schwarzenegger out of the picture too. Like he changed, he flipped the, the sport he upside the, down. He flipped the switch, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so like, but once he left that sport, like he became so depressed. Did ayahuasca did a ton of drugs trying to find himself, right? Like, cause <laughs> yes. he's like, what the hell is life? Who am I? Yeah. He's like, I need to meet my maker. Because yeah. it's like, I don't know what life is about anymore. You become right. so singularly focused on one Absolutely. thing that even your own yeah. life doesn't matter anymore and it's, that's that's it's what gets really so scary and it's right? such it's such a selfish sport so like i oh, these people who have like families and are married and have kids and a career i'm like all to the wayside props on you guys yeah. i don't know how you do it because it's a selfish sport and like i tell i, t- I warn my clients and i tell kavika i'm like hey it's my last month for my show you're your oh, number God. two you're number two. I'm number one. You're number two. Um, and of course, like, you know, I, I warn my clients I might be cranky, but I don't say that to them. Um, but I still have to perform my job and perform a service and make sure that I'm making money, but, and that I'm providing them with good things. Um, but I leave later that day and I'm just like, I'm toast. I'm so dead. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so I, anybody who's entering this sport, I think, I think bodybuilding is awesome. I think it's a really cool experience. Um, I think it's cool to use yourself as a science experiment to see, you know, how hard you can push yourself. Exactly. It's such a mental sport. And that is the one thing that I really realized, especially with that first go around is that it's such a mental challenge. Um, it's, it's difficult, you know, so yeah, you definitely. really find out a lot about yourself and what your discipline is like and things like that. Um, but it's also such a juxtaposition because I don't know how you feel, but like you looked so jacked and you feel, you look so massive and awesome on stage, but you will never feel so tiny and weak 
No, <laughs> you know, at the end no, of the prep, yeah. you know, you're like, this 10 yeah. minutes. Exactly. And yeah, for the people that are listening that don't know, like, when you're on stage, it's because you're backstage, you're eating Skittles, and you're doing, like, 50 yeah, reps you with actually, the resistance yeah, you have to, to make your muscles look uh, Yeah, big, I was right? a Pop-Tart like queen, and that was also yeah. part of my, <laughs> I, that was really also part of my kind of, like, competitor plays, because I would literally bring a toaster. And oh I would come God, in, and extra. I would bring, um, it was the maple brown sugar, and I would toast it, and I would toast it, and all of my competitors would smell it, and they'd be like, you bitch. <laughs> and I'd be like, that's yeah. right, what, who's the queen? <laughs> Me, because I'm getting all my salt and carbs from this Pop-Tart, and it's going to be great. So good. I'm so happy, and it'll look massive. There's... My glutes are going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. The glue queen. The There's glue one queen. thing that I, I noticed that was like a big takeaway for me, though, that I've been able to transition into coaching really well. And for me, that's like the mind-muscle connection of like mm-hmm. doing movements, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, when you're doing lat pulldowns, when you're doing bent over rows, when you're doing any kind of these movements and you're really like just solely focusing on isolating, feeling, mm-hmm. squeezing, contracting, whatever it is, it's so easy for me to be able to feel that now that yes, I've prepped yes. for two shows. I've done that so there's a lot of There's a lot of great skills that you can learn from bodybuilding. Yeah. And if you look at bodybuilders, they're kind of like the gymnasts of the weightlifting world, right? There's a lot of things that bodybuilders do right. They do a lot of the time over tension. They have, if you look at them, they do full, beautiful range of motion. Their lifts look gorgeous, Perfect right? Perfect, Perfect form, right? And it's because they're focusing on getting that mind-muscle connection, yeah. creating that time over tension. They're really focused in on growing and pumping up that muscle, right? And so there are a lot of really great things that bodybuilding can translate into other things along with like the discipline and um, yeah. mental toughness and, and things like that. Um, but there's a lot of things that bodybuilders get right, right? Yeah, I mean, like even definitely. a lot of power lifters, they, they do, you know, power building, right? And, you know, you do your, <laughs> yeah. your main lift, your big thing, right? And then you go do pump work, right? Yeah, it's the best. Right? That's what I want. That's actually what I wanted to ask you next. Is like, what are two big takeaways that you got from competing over the years that you still find helpful in your training now? Is there anything? Um. Gosh, there's there's so many things, and I mean, it's it's kind of a lot of stuff that I just talked about. I mean, there's you know the mental toughness aspect that you take away from from being able to be like, oh, I know I can do this. Let's keep going. Um, for example, um, the last show I was prepping for was actually me and my husband were doing it together. It was his mm-hmm. first show. Poor guy. Um, we it got canceled four weeks out because of the pandemic, and so we had gone through this prep. My husband's a firefighter, so he was doing prep while still working, like yeah. um, as, a yeah, as a firefighter on the rescue company, which is like special. Twenty-four hours shifts, forty-eight hours. Shifts. Yeah, and and the rescue they drill all the time. They're always working. Um, there's some stations that are a little bit quieter, and you just you know you go on calls when you get called. But they're they're like heavy tech team so they're special ops always mm-hmm. doing stuff he's still diving 100 feet into the Puget Sound on prep like a brutal brutal insane. so anyways um, but even even you know getting stuff from him he's that yeah the mental toughness that it took to actually continue and push through and get to that end goal again yeah. it was a, it's a different realm so it's this different level of resilience you you learn yeah. um, so that I take that I take with me and everything. Like once you go through a prep, you're like, I can do anything. Oh yeah, literally. Sky's living. Anything. <laughs> I can do anything. Um, so and, and then and if you ever decide to do it again or go through any other dieting phase or bulking phase or whatever, it, it just makes things so much easier because you're like, oh, I already know what this is gonna be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate yeah. dieting. I think it's stupid. Whatever. Um, but. Um, so, so that, um, I do really like bodybuilding work. I like that. Um, I try to put that into like all of my accessory training. Um, I do like that, that feeling. I do like getting the pumps and I do, I still enjoy that, that nice aesthetic, right? It's that nice athletic look. It's great. Right. 
Um, so those are some of the factors that, you know, I take with me into my training and my, my kind of everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that kind of style of, you know, learning how to kind of like split up my day, that helped me learn a lot about like performance nutrition as well. Just mm-hmm. me personally going through that experience is like, okay, how, how do I build my, my calories into a deficit? What does my body respond well to? How do I take that, put it back to maintenance and go into, you know, performance nutrition where I'm focusing mm-hmm. on purely performance? How do I fuel? Things like that. So um, that was really, really helpful. What things worked well in my body as far as like my split of like fast carbs to slow carbs, um, you know, what are, how does that work with my body? How can I take that and help other clients that are feel, experiencing similar things? So, you know, you just get that firsthand experience, that personal testimony to yeah. help counsel. Yeah, that's a, I love that answer because that's honestly like a lot of the reason why I did powerlifting and bodybuilding. Yeah. Like I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be like elite at either of those sports, right. but like going like in college like I was studying exercise and wellness I knew I wanted to be a trainer I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to coach people through these different things and that I knew if I could do it through myself like to myself and coach yeah. myself through it and have someone else coach me like mm-hmm. just like you said like I was pretty ignorant the first time through no I got this I'll figure it out yeah. I'll do my you're, own diet no, you're a dummy. I'll do my own posing you're a dummy so it's like Dumb. I don't place very well Go hire a coach. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, next yes. time I hire a coach, I hire a posing coach. Yeah. Oh, this is what structure's Weird. like. Now I know. Huh. Same thing with powerlifting. Huh. Yeah, the first exactly. meet, I know how to te- lift heavy. Like, I'll do it. Did okay. The second awesome. meet, I had Dan help me. Okay, awesome. this is what structure's like. Yes. Nice. Yes. This yes. is cool. Like I said from the beginning, go hire a coach. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's, it's it pays dividends in a lot of different ways, and it's Absolutely. very easy to tell, like, as a coach that's been doing this for a while, and even yourself has been doing it for almost twice as long, is that, like, you can tell like who's really into it and who's not. Right? Yeah. You can tell who really wants to continue educating themselves well, and who just wants to like Absolutely. And you know, to to that premise, like I let's let's go back to that bodybuilding career that first time I coached myself, learning the value of how to get coached. Also, you don't have to deal with the stress. Yeah, like you don't have that's to think that's about. another thing is like somebody else does that for you. That's a mental enough sport. You're always your own critic. You're always like jumping the gun on things, but be like, eh, somebody else will be hold the hold the bricks, pop the bricks. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just chill out for a minute. Yeah. Trust me, it's gonna be fine. Um there's that aspect, but um there came into a circumstance where um, you know, my coach was had having some health issues and there was a communication gap and um I kinda got left to do stuff for a, a pro contest. And I was like, well, F, I'm not ready. This contest is in like two weeks and I'm not comfortable putting myself on stage because I don't feel like I have a good enough product for mm. me personally. Mm. I didn't feel mm. comfortable with it. And then I ended up having, I got third at that contest as a pro me. You know, I was not happy Dang. with my performance. Um, it was fine, but it wasn't, third to, the pro contest is it wasn't to my level of standard yeah. for myself, right? Mm. Again, we're our own worst critic. We're our own All the time. performance, right? So, um, anyways, uh, I had prep for worlds after that. So I basically had four weeks to get myself into a professional whipped shape. And so I was so like, well, here we go. So I ended up like, you know, I've been through the process. I know what to expect. I know how my body works. And so then I had to go back and coach myself and prep myself for that. Like I did it. I came out. I ended up getting third at worlds. So Jeez. awesome. Um, but... Did I like it? Nope. Hated every minute of it. Yeah. Like, I like having coaches. Yeah. And then you did the um, reverse dieting after that, right? Yep. So, oh, yeah. So I reverse. Um, my body responds pretty well to kind of popping back up to maintenance. Um, mm. I can live up at a really high number on maintenance, so kind of slowly bringing things back up is yeah. is good. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't like living in a deficit. My body doesn't like living in a deficit very much, yeah. especially with my RA. It likes to be... 
happy and yeah. likes food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did your relationship yeah. with food change from like your last competition to when you're like, all right, I know I'm probably not going to do this again. Did your relationship with food change at all? Um, so there's always that form of body dysmorphia coming out of a contest where you're like, God, I'm gaining body fat back. I feel fat. And you look at yeah, yourself and six pack and you're like, yeah, I'm not fat at all. But th- th- having, having that mindset to be able to know, to remove yourself of like knowing, okay, I'm being a psycho versus like, this is reality. Yeah. Um, so just <laughs> being able to like understand that process. Um, and then the relationship with food, um, just also like, I will even find myself in that propensity of like getting in a show, out of coming out of it, being like, oh, I have to track my food. Mm. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. That's unhealthy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it serves a purpose. It is a tool. Mm-hmm. But there, a lot of bodybuilders will find this obsession with it, where they have to do it to that exact mm. gram or whatever. Oh, and yeah. that is obsessive eating. That is disordered eating yeah. at its finest, right? So being able to pull yourself out of that and be like, no, nah, you're fine. Just let's move on. So just re- just removing yourself from that situation and building back up to what, you know, your normal relationship is with mm-hmm. that. Um, it's difficult, yeah. but... But I mean, I would even say too, like, you don't even have to worry about, like, the tracking of it too, right? Or weighing it. Because it's, it's like, if you've done it for so many months at yeah. a time, you know what eight ounces, eight ounces of chicken But yes, like. you, you know do. What a cup of rice you do. Like but at the same time, it just goes to show... I'm still the professional, but I'm still experiencing these thoughts. So Mm, how do we, when a client comes to me and says, I have to do this, you're like, okay, I've been there. I understand what you're talking about. Um, Let's find some tactics to kind of step away from that. Yeah. Right. So, and again, it gives that personal testimony. This, this idea of experiencing things and doing things and getting coaches and and going through the motions yourself so that you know what your clients are going to expect. This is the number one goal or the number one kind of learning I heard took away from working in retail. So Mm -hmm. I worked at Victoria's Secret for seven years um, in college. What? And yes. For seven years? Seven years. So um, I did that. And my actual first job was actually coaching gymnastics. I started coaching when I was 16. So I've been in the industry coaching for almost 20 years now. Um, It's been a long time. Um, But that was one of my college jobs was I coached gymnastics and I worked in retail. And Victoria's Secret was very big on gratis and giving good employee discounts. And um, anytime we came out with a new product, they gave it to you because they wanted you to wear it and experience it and be able to tell customers about it. And so that is one of those lessons that I picked up. And it's like, Mm. oh, this is how you do things is you go experience things. Mm. If your company or you have a product or you sell something, you want to do it and you want to experience it so that you can tell customers, I know, yeah. I can empathize, I yeah. feel, I know what you're doing because I've experienced it myself. I don't know your exact experience, but this is how I felt. And this is how yeah. I can relate to you. So, so that when you say something, you're like, ah, I get it. I know this. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, and the beautiful thing about that too is that as you gain more experience and as you, uh, just, yeah, as you gain more experience in this, like, it becomes easier to be able to deliver your product to the the client mm-hmm. right yeah, like, so sure. for example like whenever now like whenever I'm doing get started or complimentary mm-hmm. sessions I feel much more comfortable and much sure. more fluid with how I deliver my product what right. I know I'm able to offer them sure. right whereas like when you're first starting out you're trying to be their best friend you're trying mm-hmm. to make them laugh mm-hmm. you're laughing at anything they say even if it's a terrible joke like <laughs> like you're trying to win them over so hard again per- speaking personally but like 
now that I have more confidence, I'm, I'm more aware of like, okay, some people are going to want this product, some people aren't. And a lot yeah, of it's just going to start with You're not for everybody, and that's no. okay. Yeah. My brand, like, you know, even me as a person, like, yeah. people are not going to like me. That's fine. Like, I'm, I have a very loud personality. I'm very blunt. My family's from New York. Um, people are either going to love it, they're going to hate it. Yeah. I'm not for everybody. That's okay. Yeah. Right? And that's half the, half the thing is finding um, people that you're going to be successful with coaching and working with is mm-hmm. like, hey, you are personalities mesh. That's the point of having that get started session and having that introductory session, exactly. strategy session. Exactly. Do we match personality wise? Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to get along? Otherwise, you're both going to hate each other and you're both going to fire each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not going to work out. No, yeah. going to be happy. But... <laughs> Also kind of along the lines to that, you know, you go from your first get started to where you are to where you are now, you've grown, you've learned, you've yeah, evolved, right? Totally. Same thing with like the you know, you asked the question of like what have I learned from my bodybuilding shows? Well, each show is different, each prep is different. Actually, mm-hmm. how I prep each show is different. Um, you're a different person through yeah. each of those experiences, yeah. you're gonna take away different things. You have a different season of life that you're yeah, in, right? Yeah. So uh, you kind of evolve as an athlete, as a coach, as whatever, um, as yeah. you go through those experiences. But that's that's a whole other part of it that ties into that process of reflect, assess, plan, is through each of these experiences, through each whatever that you do, any life experience you have, reflect, assess, plan, you're going to be a different person, yeah. have a different experience. And if you're not learning, you're not growing, right? So Definitely. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes of your, uh, what was the mental coaching uh it's the yeah it's the mental um mental performance yeah mental performance certification yeah i know i was like what is that um yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do with it um it'll be cool though even just with like your behavior change like motivational yeah yeah, yeah. asking the right open-ended questions to get the right to pull the right information so i'll be excited to dig into that content and you know as as we go into that like it'll spark different ideas and different things i always have all these great ideas so we'll see what comes to fruition but um, it'll be something cool it'll be something something awesome and it it ties in again with the grit the resilience mental toughness um stay gritty stay gritty gritty, so what's on the rise for period what's what's next what are you guys gonna do oh it's a great question uh step one get my website done yeah (laughs) oh god um so i've been working on this thing forever it's just it's again you you asked about all these hats and entrepreneurship and things Mm -hmm. um that i've been full so that's like getting clients and retaining them is not my issue it's getting Mm -hmm. all the background stuff done so Mm -hmm. that i can grow in the future and um a lot of my business is is word of mouth and referral so um, i haven't needed that external source of be like, hmm, go to my website. <laughs> Here to this. Um, but it is something that I need to get done because growing is something that I want to do. I want to create some uh, yeah. nutrition modules for people so that they can yeah. get their base foundation done. Um, I would like to create some um, some some other types of things for people to tap into. Um, they can either buy at a light, lower price point or have a bigger reach for myself to be like, hey, I don't have room in my service, but while you're on my wait list, here's this product that you can use and you can get my coaching and my skills and my foundation yeah. um, before you start working with me. Go through this, learn stuff, come later. Yeah. You'll get more out of your coaching. So. You'll get more out of your coaching. And that's like we said too, at the beginning, even before we started recording, is like, I'll know that you're committed. 
Yeah. Because if you're interested and then like I give you this module, like, hey, this is very surface level information. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask you to take a test. Yep. I'm not going to ask you to like write down everything, but just educate yourself on this. And if someone's like, no, fuck that. I don't want to do that. Then they're probably not the person that wants they're to not, like, get coaching. They're not a person that wants time. coaching for me in the first place. Yeah. Right? So, so, it's, so it's an easy way to weed out who's serious. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I mean, as we talked about, that that's part of my company. I'm going to require you to work. Mm -hmm. Like if, you, if, you're, you not, if you're not going to do the work, we ain't going to work out, See baby. <laughs> Yeah. See ya. See ya. What's your uh, What's your Instagram tag? Instagram pure underscore grit underscore performance. Pure grit performance. Are you on pure Facebook content. or anything else? Uh, I am on Facebook. Basically, whatever goes on my Instagram kind of goes onto yeah. everything else. So um, I don't have any typical specialized content for that. Um, I do have um, an, another service that I provide for um, monthly workout program, monthly training program that nice. is a little bit more affordable option if you know some people can't afford training or they're traveling a lot. I have a lot of clients who actually follow that and use it for traveling. Um, it's called the yeah. Grit Squad. Grit um, Squad. Grit Squad. Yeah, it's thirty bucks a month. You get a new workout with a new focus every month, right? Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, so I provide a, a gym service um, and an at-home service. So if um, you know this Damn. got birthed during the pandemic, obviously. Yep, um, yep. But some people, there are a lot of people who are still working out at home. Or yeah. um, I have a client actually; she's RVing to Moab right now. She's got her bands with her, and she's doing her workouts Dude, nice. in the desert. Yeah. That's beautiful. So it's great. Um, a lot of people take that on vacation, or you know, have clients who travel; they take that with them too. Yeah. So it's kind of awesome, kind of dope. Oh yeah. But but yeah. You got it all, Morgan. Got it all, baby. That's freaking solid. Got it all. Yeah. I appreciate you doing this with me. This of is course, fun. of course, yeah. It's been fun. Time. Been real. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll have you on again at some point. But we'll be in there. Uh, we should talk a uh, tactical performance next time. Yeah. That's what. That's your. That's your bread and butter right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's my land right now. That's right. All right. Well, until next time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yup. Nice. Did. Power.